This is the Humans of Gaming podcast, an open and honest conversation about games, life, and belief. about to hear is a little bit different from what we normally do on this podcast. You're about to hear a whole bunch of short interviews with game designers from PAX South. This is the second part of a two-part series of interviews that we conducted while at Penny Arcade South in San Antonio, Texas. On this episode, you'll mostly hear from me, but you'll also hear from Stephanie Scowls, who does some of these interviews. She's one of our editors at Love Thy Nerd. But on this episode, we talked to Lizzie Funkhauser, who's making a Walking Dead card game for Skybound. Um, she's also one of the leaders of a of a board game group on Facebook called Board Game Spotlight. So if you're into board games, it's a lovely community. I follow it. I, I listen to it. I, I go watch their live streams and uh, I participate in that community on the reg, uh, on the regular. So go check it out. Uh, you'll also hear from Jungwoo Kim, who's with Kit Fox, and they are publishing Boyfriend Dungeon. And they're also, they also put out a game called The Shrouded Isle, which is fascinating. So I really enjoyed talking to him. You'll hear from Nathan Shorts, who's working on a new Toe Jam and Earl game. You'll hear from Mike Rose, who's with No More Robots. They publish killer games. In fact, they're publishing the game I'm most excited about, probably from twenty from this coming this year, um, which is Hypnospace Outlaw, which will be out soon. Um, you'll hear from Edgar Castro and Sam McCulley, and uh, also from Ape Tribe Games, all of which are putting out some great games, working on some really great games that we're excited for you to to hear about. And then finally, you'll hear from Brett Pinnings, who's working on what was probably the most fun game I played while at PAX South, and that is a game called Mage Quit. So definitely go check these guys out, these folks out. Um, all these people that we interview, we interview them because we think they're interesting people doing great work in the industry. They're all worthy of checking out and following. So check our show notes uh, for more information about where you can follow these people and the work that they're doing. Um, that said, I hope you really enjoy this episode, and uh, we'll see you again next week. So without further ado, here's part two for Pack South 2019 uh, interviews. Hey, Drew Dixon from Love Thy Nerd here with Lizzie Funkhauser. Hi. And uh, she is a game designer and... What else do you do? Well, I run the Board Game Spotlight with my husband, Derek, and so we do live streams and interviews, and we do uh, reviews, previews, all kinds of fun stuff. Yeah, and that's, yeah. On, that's on Facebook, right? Yes, that is on yeah, Facebook. Yeah. Sometimes we stream to Twitch if the internet is working with us. We also upload videos to YouTube. We have an Instagram and a Twitter. Yeah, and so uh, I watch you guys' streams all the time because they're super fun, and the community of Board Game Spotlight is really wonderful. Like, yeah. I feel like... Sometimes board gamers can be, uh, I don't know, like... Elitist. Yeah. Elitist is probably the best word where, oh, you like that game, or, oh, that one's not yeah. very good, like, don't you... You should have, like, a more refined palette. You should like something better. Yeah. Like, just let people enjoy things. If what they like is not what you like, that's totally fine. Not everyone has to have the same style games. Right, right. And so that's what I was going to say about Board Game Spotlight. I think it's the rare, like, board game community where it feels like people are just like cool to yeah. each other like yeah. nice and nobody judges 
for the most part, I mean, occasionally, try, but yeah. for the most part, people don't judge each other for what they like, and yeah. it's just a really, like, lovely community. How did y'all get... Into that? Uh, yeah, I mean, how did you manage to create a community that was that so positive? Well, uh, Borgen's Ballet was initially James Hudson's brainchild. He started it, and then he brought Derek in uh, as just, like, a part-time, like, he saw Derek and all the other groups, and Derek was doing exactly what he wanted, just encouraging people saying hey if you like this check this out oh you like that game that's awesome good for you type thing uh, so Derek started writing doing stuff and then I already was a board gamer but we started to you know try and do live streams and get involved that way and then uh, James with Druid City got bought by Skybound so he still ended up getting a little busy he let Derek and I kind of take over the day-to-day of board game spotlight and so we just decided to kind of grow it as much as we can we added the interviews and we just have been trying to create this positive force in the board game industry and letting people enjoy the games that they do, trying to introduce them to other games that they would like, and just trying to be kind and loving towards everyone. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I love it. And I, I am a part of Board Game Spotlight. I encourage people to go check out Board Game Spotlight on Facebook. It's a really great community. Um, but I also want to talk to you about your game because you're a game designer now. I guess I officially am, yeah. yeah. How yeah. does that feel? A little weird. Yeah. It still doesn't feel real, but me and Derek created this Walking Dead Something to Fear game that is going to be coming out under the Skybound label, and that is hopefully going to be out end of February, beginning of March. Yeah, yeah. So your first game, and uh, you're working with this really small IP that hardly anybody knows about. Yeah. Uh, no, that's really cool. How's it feel to your first game gets to be the Walking, Walking Dead? Dead theme. Uh, it does not feel real. A lot of people have asked us, how can, like, how did you get The Walking Dead? How did you do that? And I'm like, well, Skybound owns The Walking Dead. It's a comic book first before it was a, a TV show. So a lot of people don't know that. Um, but it just kind of honestly fell into our lap. Derek was working with uh, James to create a game, and it was for Skybound. It was actually for another IP that is not as well known. And then that kind of fell through. But James like, this is a really good game. Why don't we reskin it, make it The Walking Dead, kind of change some things around. And we did we showed it to them and they loved it and I mean that was almost that was a little over a year ago like last fall and um, we've been working on getting the art refining all the cards and the powers and we finally have a yeah. pretty much finished product yeah yeah that's cool yeah and I would tell people like go read those Walking Dead comics you can get a compendium yeah. like and plow through a whole oh, yeah. bunch of oh, yeah. yeah. They're the comics, I mean they're not like very different from the show, but there's a lot of stuff that yeah. goes on in the comics that's not included in the show just because you know, you only have so many episodes and you can yeah. only follow so many people before it gets a little overwhelming right. on the screen. But yeah. books are always better. Read kids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm not saying that I'm sure the T V show's awesome. Yeah. I watched the first two yeah, seasons yeah. and I liked it. Mm-hmm. But those comics, man, like they I'm a book me. person at yeah. heart, too, so if I can read something over watching it, I'm always going to yeah, pick yeah. reading. Yeah, for sure. Well, so let's talk about the game. Sure. Uh, walk me through The Walking Dead, Something to Fear. What What is it? What makes it unique? Sure. So there are uh, six decks, so you can play two to six players, uh, and there's nine characters in it. Everyone has the same nine characters, and they each have a special ability on them. Um, so you get to pick one and put it face down, everyone reveals it, and then you go highest card to lowest card, and then if they have an ability that um, is applicable during that round, you can do it. So uh, it's kind of like a set collection game where you are trying to collect sets of cards. So we have things like the walkers, you're trying to get the most of those, or we have the governor who is 20 points, but if you get him a second time, he's 10. If you get him a third time, he's five. So if you're, he's also, um, he resolves ties, so it's kind of like the first player token type thing. So if you're being really greedy and you keep taking 
taken that first player thing, you're going to earn less points for it. We also have Negan in there, obviously. Let me get him out. So he is 10, negative 20, and then 40. Yeah. So he's a real gamble. And if you want to get him, you know, because yeah. he can be pretty powerful, but he can be really punishing as well. Uh, we have, like, the Saviors. They are 8, 16, and 32 points. Cool. So um, they're pretty good. So you are trying to collect sets of games, but uh, every round one card is going to escape. So they have numbers in the top right corner. So the more powerful the card that escapes, the more damage is going to be done to the group. So you're trying to manage that damage while you are trying to collect cards. Yeah. So if you're letting real powerful cards escape, we find it, yeah, like the walking horde. So this is three walkers, it's also wild, and it deals the person two damage if they have it. But if you let it escape, it's five damage. Okay. So if at the end of nine rounds, the damage that has escaped is over 20, everyone in the group dies, so no one is going to get to score. Yeah. If you have personal damage because there are wounds in the deck too, if someone gives you a wound and you add that wound and like the damage from the walker and you personally are over 20 but everyone else is under, you get to die, everyone else gets to score. Yeah. So we kind of call it a co-opetition where you're trying to work together so that not everyone dies, yeah. but you still want to win. Yeah, yeah, so. I like that because... Uh, yeah, I think it encourages some unique player mm -hmm. interaction. Yeah, it does. Whereas you're not just thinking about how can I beat everybody by getting mm -hmm. all those sets. You're also yeah. like, hey, we can't all die here. Yeah. We've got to like yeah. manage some things together, yeah. work together a little bit. Yeah. But I mean, we say it can be as mean or as nice as you want it to be. So yeah. if you have a group of guys and they just want to like take each other down, they're just passing wounds back and forth. You can if you're playing maybe with like a, yeah. a family like of older kids or something and you just want to be nice and let all the zeros escape and just... Yeah play nice with each other and see who can get the most points, that works too. So you can really tailor it to your group. If you had to narrow it down to one thing, what do you hope players gain from their time playing the game? Uh, well, we really want it to um, reach the Walking Dead fan base and people who are not naturally gamers. So I hope that people will pick up this game, learn to play it, really enjoy it, and then maybe dive deeper into the board game hobby. Yeah. And for um, people who are already gamers, I hope that they just really enjoy it. It's something that they can use to introduce, introduce friends and family to the hobby. Yeah, definitely. Great. And then uh, last couple questions I like to ask designers, okay. people in the industry. Why do you make games? What drives you to do this and be a part of the industry? Um, it's just fun to be creative and throw things around. I mean, Derek and I have a lot of ideas. He actually has a couple other games in the works. Uh, it's a creative outlet. Uh, one time he was like, I'm going to make a better version of Catan, and he started working on a game, and so sometimes... Uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's the game ends up, it's like absolutely nothing like Catan, but that was like his initial spark. Uh, it's, it's just fun to play around with things and ideas, and... Uh, the art for the game is always a lot of fun, so we know a lot of artists, so we'll reach out to them once we have a project that's yeah. substantial and get them working on some stuff. Um, it's just the creative process, I guess. You know, yeah. Just have all, all these ideas and being able to share them with someone, whether it goes somewhere or not. Yeah. Great, great. And then uh, one last question. Um, why do games, what would you say to somebody who's kind of skeptical of board games, kind of thinks maybe they're a waste of time or something? Why do board games matter? Why do tabletop games matter? Um, to me, it's people come together and they put down their phones and you're talking face-to-face -face and you're building relationships and just becoming closer friends. For me and Derek, we started gaming real heavily when we were uh, at Fort Irwin. We were stationed, he was in the military, we were stationed out there. It's a really isolated post. We didn't know anyone out there, so we got together with some friends. We started gaming and we really became like a family. We not only gamed together, but we celebrated birthdays and Thanksgiving and holidays together. So we became really tight-knit and just like depended on each other when, you know, one of the families had a kid we were there supporting them because yeah. they didn't have anyone else and the gaming group was how we got together that's great yeah board games really can bring people together oh, and yeah, uh you know give you 
some uh, in some games force us to get our guard down and yeah. let people see well, what we're fun. really like. Uh, you know, in the military, they had a lot of training. They were gone a lot of time. It's very stressful. So gaming, let them, you know, have a release, enjoy, kick back, and not have to worry about the stress of their job. Yeah, yep. yeah. Great. I love it. Well, uh, The Walking Dead, something to fear, looks great, and Board Game Spotlight is also a wonderful community. You should definitely go check out. Uh, thanks so much, Lizzie, for your time. Thank you for an interview. Yeah. This is so much fun. Oh, and we can see this pretty soon, right? Yes. It's coming out very soon. Uh, it should be out hopefully end of February, beginning of March. We're just waiting on getting the game over from China. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Cool. Yeah, well, well, we're looking forward to it. Thanks thank again. Okay, all right. Yeah. Uh, my name is Jongwoo Kim, uh, okay. and um, I'm a co-founder and a programmer designer at Kitbox Games. Cool. Yeah, and so um, you were telling me earlier about some of your games. Um, give me a, like, what, what have you guys put out so far? We put out uh, Shattered Planet, which was our first project. It was like a roguelite uh, yeah. game with a space exploration element. Uh, the one that we're most known for is Moon Hunters. It was a co-op action game set in a fantasy version of uh, ancient Mesopotamia. Yeah. That is, that's also a bit of a, like a personality test. Yeah. So the small choices you make changes how the world will remember your hero at the end. Right. Yeah, and then you guys here you're showing Boyfriend Dungeon and Shrouded uh, and Isle, right? That's correct. Okay, cool. Tell me about Boyfriend Dungeon. Boyfriend Dungeon is a dungeon crawler mixed with a dating set. Okay. So you are um, just a ra random person, really, and who yeah. um, explores dungeons in like a kind of a modern setting and discovers these swords that are, that are actually people. Yeah. And so you rescue them from the dungeons and bring them back to the surface, and then uh, you can date them. And the, you can date your swords. You can date your swords. <laughs> and the, the stronger your relationship becomes, the stronger your weapon becomes. So there's a yeah. bit of a synergy there. And they're all, they're all boyfriends. There's no girlfriend swords. Oh, uh, there are totally girlfriend okay. swords. Um, and... Um, it's a very uh, inclusive game. Uh, you can define yourself however you wish. Okay. Yeah, and um, there's even a cat that you know you can hang out with as well. So yeah, okay. it's something for everybody. So yeah, there you go. Yeah. Cool. Okay, and so then the one we were just talking about a minute ago, this this uh, very dark cult kind of yeah, sim. Tell me about Shrouded Isle. So the Shrouded Isle is a human sacrifice cult simulator. You are the high priest of a small island village that worships uh, slumbering dark god. And the prophecies say that he will awaken in five years. So in preparation, you are trying to raise the five values of your religion, ignorance, fervor, obedience, and so forth. And also maintain the loyalty of the bickering five great houses of the village. Yeah. And make a seasonal human sacrifice right. in his name. As one does. As one does. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. And uh, you were saying... One of the kind of goals of this was to explore why people make evil decisions. That's correct. Have so, you have you you know any insights that came from developing this or from how how players have interacted with it on that? There are two. Um, the first one is how quickly someone seems to embrace their inner tyrant. Yeah. When I see watch like uh, someone do a fresh playtest of the game, the first season or the first like turn or so. Yeah. The players are kind of reluctant to uh, take decisions that are expedient, so to speak. Right. And uh, they try to act according to their own moral code. 
But yeah. the second turn onwards, I find that they completely embrace their role and do what is necessary for the uh, the cult's leadership to survive, which is a bit uh, distressing to discover because uh, what I really wanted to happen is for there to be more of a moral quandary like uh, on the yeah. long term. But the um, because the in order to succeed at the game or even survive at the game, you have to embrace the cult's values. So you wouldn't normally want to promote uh, ignorance. You wouldn't normally want to promote like you know excessive uh, discipline or yeah. penitence. But uh, the the game requires you to if you right. want to survive, and therefore players just go with it, like just dive all the yeah. way in. Um, the other thing that I noticed was, um, so this was like shortly after the release of the game, and so for clarity, the cult does not represent any real-world organizations. Right. That was never the intent. But what we found was that people would often project onto the cult uh, various organizations they were okay. dissatisfied with. Right. So in a game dev context, uh, some you know, uh, some of our colleagues felt that you know the um, what's happening in the cult is actually representative of what might happen at a AAA studio, for oh, instance. Yeah. Um, okay. Other people were like um, just looking at the current political climate and sure. you know and yeah. so forth. Yeah. So yeah. hard not to, I guess. To yeah. Some yeah. So uh, if you had to narrow it down to one thing, what do you hope players gain from their experience playing the game? More than anything else, what I think players gain from this is this awareness that often it's the position, often it's something structural about an organization that drives someone to take what might be ostensibly evil decisions. And the challenge is, if you were in that position, could you really do things differently? Yeah. Like, if the reward mechanisms of that like uh, organization that cult is such that you have to you know kill someone every season yeah. like you know how how do you resist that you know how do you like retain your own identity your your own beliefs is yeah. the fundamental question of the game right yeah and you mentioned earlier like that you said it was almost kind of distressing how quickly people dive into that sort of like just making expedient decisions just to yeah. Succeed. You know, making evil decisions essentially. Yeah. Um, and it almost like it almost sounded like you didn't want that to happen in a way, but but it sounds like there's something valuable from there is value in doing that at, or in a digital space where it's it's safe. I think. Exactly. Uh, so it's you know it's kind of interesting because you make a game and you hand it over to the player and you're sort of you know you can't control that experience completely. What's that been like? It, it's been fascinating. Um, there, there have been some surprises, definitely, but like uh, there's also like a some sense of responsibility, ultimately, and that um, this is a game that I intended to make, and you know it, you know I feel like I executed on my intentions quite well overall, like in comparison, like as far as like what came out of it versus you know what was intended. Um, at the same time, like I do wonder. Um, as creators, like, do we have responsibilities as far as, like, you know, did we really need to depict a cult that makes human sacrifices? Maybe that was an unnecessary thing for me to do, sure. um, but it allowed me to explore a certain topic that yeah. um, that I'm uh, fascinated by, yeah. and it allows players to do so as well. Um, yeah, I think. No, I think it's yeah. fascinating. I mean, I, I, I love the risk. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> that you're taking with this, like, it's it's pretty brilliant. Like. I think, at least from a yeah, from a risk-taking perspective, which I totally respect. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, last question I like to ask designers is, why do you make games? What drives you to do this? 
I make games because they are choice simulation engines. And maybe that's like a bit of tautological in a way. Yeah. Um, but what makes me curious is just the fundamental assumption about free will. If someone's uh, put in a certain situation, can they really, like, is it really fair to say that they did their best or like the choices that they made? Like how much was it like uh, driven by um, their own will versus just a circumstance dictating that choice for them? Yeah. And uh, even just for myself, like uh, I love playing a lot of like historical simulation games and just trying to see, well, like, you know, what if it went this way? Like, you know, what if like, you know, we, like something about the geopolitical situation was different yeah. or like, like if this, this country survived or so forth. And uh, that gives me better appreciations for things that have happened and things that will you know, happen in the future. Yeah, that's great. That's cool. Yeah, well, thanks so much for your time. I really enjoyed checking these out. And uh, Boyfriend Dungeon, is that available now? It's coming out uh, in the uh, coming months and years, I guess. It's still very much in the middle of development, okay. and uh, there's no official release okay, date at this time. I couldn't remember on that one. Then Shadow yeah. Isles out. And just came out on Switch. Just right? came out on the Switch, yeah, yeah. Cool. cool. Anything else you'd mention that to look forward to in the future from your studio? So we're publishing a bunch of projects right now. So um, we're showing a trailer for Six Ages, uh, which is a prequel to um, King of Dragon Pass, okay. which was an inspiration for the Shrouded Isle. Okay, great. Oh, and that's here. You're showing a. Uh, we're showing, showing a trailer? trailer on that screen. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, I'll check that out. Yeah. from Love Thy Nerd, and I'm here with Nathan Short, who is the lead artist, yes. correct, on Toe Jam and Earl, um, back in the group. Um, so how's the con been going for you? Uh, good. Uh, we, we've had a really good showing so far. Uh, seats have been full the whole, the whole con so far, which is, yeah. which is all we could ever ask for. So, yeah, awesome. uh, yeah. Very, very good. Oh, very cool. Are you excited about bringing Toe Jam and Earl back? Yes. To the masses. Yeah, very yeah. much so. Yeah. Um, it's 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 been almost 28 years since yeah. the first one came out, yeah. and uh, yeah, more than a decade since the since the last iteration yeah. uh, was 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 released into the world. So yeah. uh, it's it's been a while, and I think I think it's I think the world is primed for a new one. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, I agree. Um, so, what do you think makes uh, Toe Jam and Earl special? Um. I think a part of it's the laid-back nature of it, uh, and and kind of, you know, aliens are usually depicted as like the enemy, and and in this one it's more of a they're 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 friends, and, and you can kind of identify with them uh, however you want. They're they're kind of a, a blank slate almost. Um, uh, it, it also uh, the games kind of shine in their their cooperativeness and uh, kind of passive nature. Yeah. It's not a very violent game, uh, which which uh, in this day and age it, it can it kind of stand apart. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, that's that's where I think it, it kind of shines on its own. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. What do you hope that the uh, player gets from the game that they come out of the experience? Um, I'd say uh, we hope that they they I mean uh, the, one of the things we've said from the beginning is if if they come out having having laughed and made a memory with someone that we've yeah. done our job yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
about halfway through development, we, we, we started laughing ourselves when we played the game, which was which we felt was a good sign. Yeah. Uh, and, and that, like, we see smiles uh, uh, whenever we see people playing. So I think we've, we, we're happy with where it's at now. I agree. I agree. It looks great. Um, so, why do you make games? Um, uh, sort of on a similar uh, uh, thought there. Um, I, I, the reason I make games is to bring people together. Yeah. Uh, I tend to not make, uh, you know, entertainment that that is isolating. Uh, it's about the experience uh, when you play a game and 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 who you play it with. Uh, and that, that's why I do it. Yeah, yeah, awesome, awesome. So how long have you been working on art, on games? Uh, a couple years now, I'd say five or six. Uh, before that, I was working as a, a comic artist. Um, and uh, yeah, it was kind of a natural uh, uh, segue into, into games. I was already playing them a lot, doing side work. Uh, and then I just started doing it full time. Yeah, awesome. How long have you been a gamer? Oh gosh, uh, <laughs> as long as I've had a console, which is uh, over two decades. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what was your first console? What was your first console that you played uh, on? Well, the, uh, the first console I owned was the PS2, but um, I had I had so many neighbors, and cousins, and uh, and the like that just had had every every console from uh, uh, you know before I could remember. So I, I've been growing up with them the entire time. I think you did a great job emulating the 90s kind of aesthetic that the original the original game had. It looks great. It plays great. I played a demo right before I started this. So thank you so much, Nathan, and good work on the game. And that's, again, Nathan is the lead artist for Jim and Earl back in the groove. And this is Stuff with Love by Nerd. Hey, Drew Dixon from Love Thy Nerd here with Mike Rose from No Boner Robots. Nate. And uh, you guys have some great games here at PAX South. Uh, tell me a little bit about your lineup really quick. Yes, so we have a downhill mountain biking game called Descenders, uh, which has been out in early access uh, since last February. It's coming out 1.0 soon with double the content in it and multiplayer as well, great. which is a big thing people have been asking for. We've online multiplayer? Online multiplayer, okay, yeah. I, I think we're aiming for about six people being able to play yeah. right now together. It's going to be like Destiny style, like lobby. You all join a lobby yeah. together uh, and then you can go out on runs together. Oh, cool. um, so that's kind of exciting. Yeah. Uh, we've got Hypnospace Outlaw, which we've got here on a giant CRT monitor. Uh, which is essentially the ninth, like a dystopian 90s internet. Yeah. Uh, GeoCities gone wrong. And uh, you're essentially uh, an enforcer. Enforcer. You're, you're like an admin of the internet, right. so you're enforcing the internet. You're making sure there's no harassment going on, no bullying, uh, no copyright infringement, uh, all that kind of stuff. And when you find it, you hit them with the ban hammer and uh, report them to the yeah. authorities, which is really nice for them. Uh, and then we've also got Family Man, uh, which is essentially, I kind of describe it as like a Breaking Bad RPG. Yeah. Uh, so you start off and you owe a whole ton of money to the mob. Uh, and you you can earn it through nice ways. You can just yeah. work at the burger place. You can help people out around town. You can go, go to the car wash, work there. Uh, or you can work for the mob to try and you know kind of pay the money off. Yeah. If you do that, you earn a lot more money but then your family back home starts to notice that you're not right and it yeah. starts to put a strain on your family right. life. 
Um, so there's a bit of a balance there. Uh, you're providing for them, but you're also becoming a monster. That's the problem. And, and there's even bits where, like, if you do enough bad things, uh, your kid will sort of hear you talking in your sleep. Yeah. And will start to draw, like, pictures of daddy's dreams. Oh, gosh. On, like, yeah, it gets really grim. Yeah. It gets really grim. Uh, but, uh, but we're hoping when it comes out, like, people will do runs, you know, like, just totally good runs where yeah. they manage to scrape through and make it well. Uh, and then we'll see how they compare to the horrible runs. Yeah, yeah, so that sounds cool, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, you've got a pretty diverse lineup here. Obviously, uh, Hypnospace is really weird, but really, like, just brimming with nostalgia, I think. Yeah, and, and, it really is. And uniqueness, and then, of course, it sounds like uh, Family Man is pretty dark. Descenders is just a fun, like, like really well-designed, mountain biking kind of thing. Yeah, so. the, the thing is, with, like with Descenders, it was the first one that I sort of, uh, I, I announced no more of us yeah. with Descenders. Uh, with that one, I felt like Descenders was a bit more like mainstream, you know, yeah. it was a bit more like a game that a lot of people, and I, I've seen that, you know, people yeah. say, it's a mountain bike game. I know yeah. how to play a mountain bike game. Yeah. Um, so that, I think that was a really good one for me to come out of the gate with. Yeah. And then really what I wanted to do was just publish weird games yeah. i like playing weird games yeah and you know there's there's other publishers who do publish weird, like devolver publishes a lot of weird stuff and i love yeah. them for that right. i wanted to publish weird stuff yeah. and i wanted to be able to make a platform where that weird stuff can be played by as many people as possible yeah. um i think i'm doing that i think yeah. with the games i'm publishing because we yeah. got another game not tonight which is uh like a brexit simulator yeah, where you're right. sort of you know that. you're a bouncer on a door and then and uh, and that's done really well for us as well. That came out last summer. It's coming to uh, Nintendo Switch oh, very great. soon. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, again, it's a bit weird, right? Yeah. A bit weird that. But uh, that's what I like doing. Yeah. And what's the point in me starting a publisher if I'm not gonna? I don't want to follow the trends. Yeah, It'll be boring yeah. for me. Take some risks. Yeah. yeah. It'll be super boring for me to just like, oh, I'll just do another battle royale game or whatever. Yeah, so right, right. I want to just do weird stuff. Yeah. That's yeah. What I if you do. could make a battle royale game that's somehow about Brexit, that would be interesting. Oh wow! Yeah, that would be. That would be. Maybe if all of the the members of Parliament all annihilated each other, then maybe we could just start again and get hey, rid of that whole thing happening, who knows? Yeah. I mean, if I was going to do a Battle Royale game, yeah. obviously, um, watch this it would, it, well, it would be Descenders, wouldn't it? Just a yeah. hundred bikes, all just <laughs> descending on each other. That sounds and awesome. Just, and, yeah. that, and like road rash kicking each other off the hey, bikes. yeah, I like it. So I'm sold. Easy. I'm that's sold. it, that's yeah. it, it's going to happen now. Yeah. <laughs> do you, I mean, I'm curious, do you have one, um, is there like a core value of No More Robots that you hope everybody gets from the games that you put out? Uh, yeah, yeah, there's a few different core values. I think one of the main ones is I am very much an advocate for just like equality and general fairness in video games because yeah. as I'm sure you're aware, there's video games as an industry is still quite far behind yeah. others in terms of realizing what our problems are. Yeah. Uh, and so with a lot of our game, well, like look at like, you know, not tonight, like I, a lot of people like said to me beforehand, should you really be publishing a game that's about politics? Yeah. And I'm like, why, why not? Yeah. Why would you not do yeah. that? And what and like since it like since it came out we have had you can imagine the comments from yeah. like right wing like sort of crazy people. Yeah. And uh, and unfortunately I have incredibly thick skin. 
so it just bounces off it. If anything, I absorb it and yeah. just enjoy it and just yeah. read the crazy comments. It energizes you. Yeah, it yeah. really does. Um, but yeah, for me, just being able to uh, get across and like, you know, we, we do a lot of when we have successes with games, we do a lot of like trying to give that back as well. So yeah. like after Not Tonight came out, we gave a, a chunk of the proceeds from that uh, to re the Rescue Foundation and stuff oh, like that. It's just, cool. it's just trying to, I don't know, it do some anyway, nice yeah. things. Sure. And hopefully, you know, the bigger we get, the more nice things we'll be able to do and the yeah. more we'll be able to expand it. that. So That's great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one last question I'd like yeah. to ask uh, people in the industry, why do you make games? What drives you to do this? Uh, I've just never known anything else, quite frankly. I, you know, when I was a kid, all I did was play games. And my, and obviously my parents told me, you can't work in games, that's dumb. So yeah. that made me want to do it more. And for years yeah. uh, that I was trying to get into games, probably took me like three or four years to finally break through a little bit into, into, into writing about games. Yeah. And uh, you know, and they, and they just be telling me, do you not think you should get a real job? And I was like, this is a real job, mum. Get out of my room. Um, so uh, yeah, and, and now, has she come around? Yeah, she absolutely has. You know, now that I, you know, it's like, oh, you've got a business now. Oh, you're a real man. Um, so yeah, it's nice. It's nice. But uh, yeah, it's just all I've ever known. And I, and I think, I think it's nice as well. A lot of people are starting to realize. A lot of people who didn't play video games originally, or maybe thought they were for children. Yeah. A lot of people are starting to realize outside of games that maybe games yeah. is a real industry and maybe yeah. it's something they should care about, especially when you throw numbers at them. You know, when yeah, you start okay. to tell them, yo, did you know the, the video game industry is bigger than the movie industry? When you start to throw things like that at people, yeah. they're like, oh, okay, maybe I should care. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's a nice place to be in, I think. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, yeah. Uh, I love your lineup here at PAX South. I'm really excited about Hidden Most Space Outlaw mm -hmm. and, uh, I've played a little bit of Descenders already and enjoyed it, and yeah. uh, and the the uh, Family Man sounds Family fantastic Man. too. So we, yeah. uh, I know Hypnospace comes out probably in the next six weeks or so. Aiming for Hypnospace uh, in uh, end of February, start of March, sometime okay. around that. Okay. Family Man's later this year, aiming for summer. Uh, Descenders, uh, the multiplayer 1.0 launch, aiming for April. Okay. Uh, and not tonight on Switch and other consoles. Probably aiming for about April, May with that as well. Cool. Great. And what's the best place for people to find you online? Uh, on Steam. Just search for No More Robots on Steam. Our games are on there. I mean, we're at like nomorerobots.io as well if you want to see info. <laughs> Great. Well, thanks so much. Enjoyed it, Mike. Thank you. Edgar, tell me your last name. Castro. Castro, yeah. okay. And what is your role uh, with uh, Fabraz? Did uh, I say it right? Yeah, Fabraz, yeah. Okay. Um, I'm a level designer and QA tester at Fabraz. Okay, cool. Yeah. And you design levels on Slime Sun? Yes, yeah, okay. Slime Sun. Cool. And so tell me about Slime Sun and then we'll talk about Skeleboy. Okay. What makes Slime Sun unique? Unique? Um, so I believe uh, our approach to uh, level design with, um, well, having a unique mechanic with the morphing where yeah. you can uh, slow down time and go through objects and so uh, with that we're able to let you 
um, adjust the difficulty at your own pace. So okay. you can. Uh, we have things that encourage you to speedrun the game, like um, trophy time, uh, yeah. meeting like those objectives. So um, having that mechanic play into like you being able to modulate your difficulty, I feel like that's a big part of Slime Song. Cool. Yeah. And then tell me about this new game that you guys are publishing, Skeleboy. What's it about? So Skeleboy is. Um, it starts off with this evil magician that uh, gets turned down by a princess that he asks out, and um, so he ends up raising the dead, but by accident he raises up a hero named Skippy, uh, and so um, your goal as Skippy is to um, to defeat the magician, and um, you're able to swap different uh, parts of your body in order to do so. Okay, cool. And it's got a really unique art style. It's really playful. Like, where did the? Uh, yeah, I guess or talk about the the art style a little bit. I guess. Okay, so the the art style. I'm not the right uh, right the artist or anything for it, but um, from what I know, um, the game started off as a 2D game, and uh, they. Um, started uh, attaching it to meshes and yeah. like extruding them so it has that like cardboard look right or feel to it kind of like paper mario I right um, yeah that's the most i know with yeah the yeah <laughs> and in this game you can like you chop things and it almost like cardboard pieces fall off is almost what it looks like yeah yeah and then you can put those pieces on like your skeleton guy so you can change his feet to like uh, bat feed or yes. whatever else, and and they give you different abilities, right, or different or, di or different limitations even sometimes. Yeah, too. exactly. Like yeah. the zombie head uh, will actually uh, subtract the, uh, one health point from your max health. Yeah. Um, you get the bat uh, shoes, which make you go faster. So there's different attributes attached to the different um, parts that you can uh, yeah. swap. Yeah. Yeah. There's a Medusa head that messes up your control scheme. Yes. Yeah. And you can't you can't go the way you want to go exactly. You have to learn. Anyway, it was uh, it was really <laughs> playful and fun. I like that. Uh, is there like a is there one underlying value that that you hope players get out of the games you guys create and or publish? I think it's like the goofy fun. Yeah. So from the all the games we've made, uh, there's it's always like it doesn't take itself too seriously. Right. And, um, it's like focusing on just that vibe. Um, having fun really. yeah, yeah yeah cool just goofy yeah I like it and then uh, why do you make games what drives you to do what you do so for me um, I think part of it is like helping a vision uh, be achieved yeah um, so like working together as a unit with um, the, my other two um, teammates it's been um, really fun like bouncing around ideas and just having something that people can enjoy so yeah um, great yeah. yeah, cool. Well, thanks so much. Thank I think you. it was great meeting you, and I enjoyed uh, playing the game. Thank you very much. Yeah. Hi, this is Steph with Love by Nerd, and I'm here with Erwin, who is the programmer um, with Ape Tribe Games um, for the game Dysfunction. Um, how are you doing today? I'm very good. How are you? I'm doing well. How has PAX been for you this weekend? Uh, it's been a very overwhelming experience, uh, as you can expect, but it's been very, very positive. Uh, it's, it's really great to have people play your game and, and have good yeah. things to say about it. Yeah. So it's been great. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So what makes this function special? Uh, so I think the reason it's special is because there aren't that many uh, 2D top-down stealth action games. 
most South African games are like AAA games or like side scrollers. So I think we're sort of unique in that space. And uh, a big thing that sets us apart is uh, we have like a really interesting story where like your choices have consequences and those consequences matter. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. better. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, what what do you hope that gamers will get from playing your game? Um, I hope that they'll think twice about the choices they make because again, like so, for example, if you kill too many people, uh, like various characters or factions in the game will like get mad at you and like. It, it, you, you get like a very different ending based on like the, you know the, the actions you, you choose. So I think people like will think before they like fire their gun, for example, or before they say certain like mean things to characters, or like if they act selfishly, that matters. So it's just like most video games, you just you know run and gun through it, and your actions don't really matter that much. So I hope you know I hope this is just a different experience. Kind of make the player think more about the consequences to their action. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so. You, do, you did programming for the game. How long have you been programming for games, or how long have you wanted to? Right, so this is, this is actually our first indie game, and I, I didn't go to school for programming uh, in any capacity or even making games. I'm an economics major, yeah. um, so uh, it's, it's been a hobby of mine for a while, but like, this is like a new experience being full-time. Um, we've been working on this game for about a year and a half full-time. Um, and it's been kind of crazy. I mean, I've, I've, it's been a lot of like self-teaching myself, like how to program and stuff like that. But it's been working out, so it's been really cool. That's awesome, awesome. I demoed the game, and it plays really smoothly. It's a blast to play. It's very challenging without being like too too hard to where you can't get through it. So it's been it's an excellent job. Well done. Thank you so much. Really you're welcome. It. You're welcome. Um, so why do you make games? Uh, I make games because I think it's. Uh, it's a medium where you can really like express yourself. Uh, you can express yourself in a way that like you know movies and like you know like movie directors and authors can express themselves. But also there's like that interactivity that like you know players can engage in your story and they can make choices and like they will experience something that is different from watching a movie or reading a book because they have agency in like how they approach certain things. So like I love games for that reason. Yeah, there's a lot of interactivity that goes into it and a lot of in. Uh, you can really get immersed into the experience a little bit more. Yeah, exactly. It's a cliched term, but it's, you know, it exists for a reason. <laughs> it does, it right. does, it does. So when can people expect for um, Destruction to come out? Uh, so I hope it'll be out this summer of 2019. Uh, so like hopefully six to eight months from now. But I mean, again, I'm an indie game developer. Delays happen all the time. So I'm not promising anything, but hopefully six to eight months from now. That's excellent. excellent. So look for the game um, from Ape Tribe Games, um, hopefully this summer, but whenever they can get it done and give us the best game that they can. Okay, this is Steph with Love Thy Nerd. Thank you again, Aaron, and thank you guys for watching. One more thing, where can we find you on the internet? Oh, okay. Um, so where can we find you on the internet? Uh, so we have a Steam page. You can wishlist us if you want. Uh, and we have a website. It's disjunction-game.com. And that's better. Okay. Awesome. So look them up. Hey, Drew Dixon here with Brett Pinnings from Bull Cut Studios. And, or Studio. Studio or Studios. Studios. You got it. You had okay. it right the first okay. time. There's more than one. More than kidding. There really isn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and your new game is called Mage Quit. Mage Quit, yep. Yeah. So it's a top-down wizard brawler for up to 10 players. Um, you uh, you basically duke it out on an arena. Um, first wizard to have the longest beard at the end of nine rounds wins, and uh, before every single round you, you draft a new spell. 
and and as most people probably know this, but when you kill other yes. wizards, your beard grows. Your beard grows exactly. I mean, that's general nerd cultural knowledge. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> no, uh, so what do you hope players get out of their experience playing the game? Obviously, it's chaotic, it's frantic, it's yep. it's pretty strategic though too, right? It is also strategic, yeah. So the way the way we designed the game was um, kind of around anticipation. So sort of prediction, and then the the reward, like the the like emotion that's rewarded for that is anticipation. So yeah. Um, since it's a little bit like slower pace, you have to sort of like predict where your opponent's gonna be when you cast your spell. And then you can also apply a curve to it, like a secret curve. Yeah. Did you guys notice that when you yeah, played? Okay. I was terrible at it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an acquired skill for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you can apply a curve, so there's some information hiding there. So basically, like if you can sort of predict where your opponent's gonna be and then they don't predict where you're throwing your spell, you hit them and you get sort of a feedback reward that right, way. Right, yeah. yeah. Is this your first game? This is our first released game, yes. Okay, cool. Yeah. Cool. And how long have you been working on this? Uh, we've been working on it for three years, but um, both of us have been part-time on it the whole time. It's yeah. been like just a passion project, side project thing, but um, I'm going to be going full-time on it in February, so in a few weeks, couple weeks. Okay, cool. And uh, do you have a like goal of when, I mean, it's not early access now, right? It's early access now on Steam, yes, but we're also um, going to be bringing it to the Nintendo Switch and the Xbox One. Cool. Um, and we're aiming for Q3, but I think that's aggressive. So okay. we'll, we'll cool. yeah, yeah. Pending. Well, yeah, Release cool. date pending. Great. And uh, if you had to narrow it down to one thing, what do your players get out of the experience of playing it? Okay, yeah, that was the yeah. question you asked yeah. earlier. Um, I would say sort of, okay, it, it's, it's the kind of game you would play with a group of friends, um, and you would either you'd either piss them off or you guys would like have a good time but yeah. it's kind of just like it's that type of game it's like it's like smash bros but um less button mashy and more uh more like noob friendly i guess like yeah, new players right. can kind of get into it more yeah. so what you'd get out of it is i guess the same thing you'd get out of any kind of brawler which is just kind of like a rush of of competitive yeah. play i don't yeah. know yeah well and as you play through though the your abilities you kind of stack yeah. They do yeah. stack, yeah. And, then, and and there's we we have kind of like a negative feedback thing going on. So if you're if you're doing well towards the beginning, um, the way that the spell drafting works is the person who's losing actually picks their spell first yeah, for the next right. round. So that way it sort of it tries to balance people out, and that way new players get to choose the same spells yeah. each time. So that they they like once you, they get the hang of one set of spells, then they actually get good at playing that one set of spells. But then that means they're also doing better, so that they yeah. can't always pick those spells, and it forces them. It, it adds a lot of replayability because it forces right. them down different trees. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. like that about it. Um, and then another kind of last question I like to ask game designers is why do you make games? What drives you to do this? Uh, that's a good question. I, I, I like seeing, um, I don't know, I, I think that games are the most powerful form of media that exists because it, it adds interactivity. It's basically a movie with interactivity, right? There's, yeah. no, there's no fourth wall. So you have you have access to um, a spectrum of emotions that you wouldn't other wouldn't otherwise have access to if you were just making a film, yeah. um, like like camaraderie, uh, rivalry, uh, basically like guilt or mastery or uh, weakness. All of those things you can't really get from film, but you can get from making games. Yeah. And I just I like seeing people enjoy a thing that I that I that I made, and I think video games are the, yeah. the most extreme way to do that I guess is, yeah. is, is why I do it yeah it's yeah. great well uh, I, we played it it was great I was terrible at it but I was just terrible enough at it that I really want to play again <laughs> and do better so uh, sometimes games are a blast when you're bad at them if you know you could do better and I think you mm. succeeded at that so okay, I'm, I'm excited about it yeah I think also 
I think also as long as um, as long as you know exactly why you did poorly. Right. Some exactly. games, if you just die, it's uh, it's not enjoyable. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah for sure. Well, this is great. Thanks so much, Brett. Yeah, of course. It was a good time. Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah. Thanks again for listening to Humans of Gaming. Um, so thankful that you would take the time to listen to these interviews. Next week, we should be back to our regularly scheduled program of uh, long-form interviews with game designers and people in the games industry. Um, be sure to go rate and review our podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Go follow our other podcasts. Uh, go check them out. Uh, they're all on pretty much every platform you want to find podcasts. But we have The Pull List, which is our new comic book podcast, and of course Free Play, which delves into all areas of nerd culture and also will keep you up to date on what's going on with Love Thy Nerd. They do a great job of that on that podcast as well. And plus, it's uh, super entertaining. So... Go check all of that out. Go check out lovelinernerd.com. We've got great articles and features up there. And, uh, and yeah, follow us on all the social medias at Love Thy Nerd and join our Facebook community. Just search for Love Thy Nerd community. I know how it is. Some people, you don't like Facebook. I don't always like it either. But one thing I do really like about Facebook is Love Thy Nerd community. It's one of the few places on Facebook that's generally almost always pretty rad. So go check it out. Uh, be sure to join it. Be a part of our community. We'd love to get to know you more. I'd love to get to know you more. If you listen to this podcast, reach out to me on Facebook or Twitter. We'd love to hear what you think. That's it for us. We'll see you next week.